So tonight, um, this is the first time that we're back together during the season of Lent. But no, I'm, I'm excited to be back with you in this beautiful space. I, I know many of you were there last week, and I, I cannot, I still, just mo- moment of privilege, if, if you will, uh, what a beautiful experience it is to be in the round. And I think the reason that I experienced it in part is because I really wish you guys could see how I get to see you. <laughs> Um, in fact, so what we're going to do tonight is everybody's going to come up and read two sentences of the sermon, and we'll look out, and then you can, no? I'm seeing a lot of heads shaking no. Okay, I guess I'll do it then. Um, I even typed it, so it'd be legible. Okay, fine. But um, I just want to say the part of my favorite thing about Lent is stepping into this season together. And I just want to thank you, uh, those of you who are here, those of you who are joining us at home. I can't see your faces. Many of you who I know are watching, I'm picturing you, um, but I am grateful. Uh, so I just want to say thank you. And what I uh, would love to share with us tonight is a passage from Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Um, and so I, I invite you just to hear these words or to read along. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your arms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you pray with me? Oh, loving God, give us courage, strength, and patience that we might seek only you, even in the practices that we do in response to your calling and instruction. Give us the courage, the strength, and the patience to seek only you. 
And so, God, as we consider this, your holy word, I pray that you would speak through me, and if need be, in spite of me, so that your word alone would be heard. Amen. So as I said a moment ago, Lent really is this season that is special for a lot of reasons, but one of the the sort of grounding principles, if you will, one of the things that we really try and do is to to be more aware of, of our sin and our mortality. For those of you who were here last week, uh, you, whoever um, smeared the ashes on your forehead probably said something like, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. It's not a super happy reminder, but it's an important one. And what I want to say tonight in part is that that we, we focus on these things in Lent in particular, not to be dour or morbid, but, but so that we have that as a part of our experience in preparation for Easter, to faithfully prepare in this season and, frankly, to open us up in the midst of and, in, frank, in, in fact, because of our awareness of our sin and our mortality and therefore our need for grace and the power of resurrection, then we meet resurrection with a different fervor and gratitude and welcome. One of the ways that we traditionally do that um, is through uh, added practices, through the season. It might be a new way of doing devotions, or some of you might be worshiping with us for the first time even because, oh, I'm going to fit in some more worship services, and that's great. I'm glad you're here. Some of you might be fasting from something or taking on a new discipline, like maybe prayer in the mornings or the evenings, I, lots of different things, and some of you have shared those with me, and they're, they're, they're exciting. And so some of you might also be wondering, why this passage? Uh, This passage kind of pushes back against them. But but what I want to say is I think what Jesus is doing here is offering us a warning, and perhaps a warning that we especially need to hear in a season where piety is sort of high on the list of our goals. And I'll read again just the, the first verse when Jesus says, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Another way of thinking about that perhaps, or, or to try and succinctly say what he comes back to again and again, is the reminder, the warning, that the dangers of sin are no further away even when we find ourselves engaged in the very acts of devotion, in the very spiritual practices that our faith calls us to. Case in point, anybody here ever had a sinful thought while you're in worship? Okay, I'm the only one that's going to raise my hand? Fine, fine. (laughs) But no, I mean, and, and this is the thing, right? Like, I think that we have this idea that, oh, well, if I'm praying, everything, you know. But no, we know. We know that temptation can find us there. And, we, and so what I think Jesus is reminding us is that not only can temptation find us there and then, but temptation can work its way into the very motivation, practice of those disciplines. 
And so Jesus says very starkly and repeatedly, do them in secret, pray in secret. Do not even let your left hand know what your right is doing. It's the other way around, but something like that. You know, your hands don't even know what the other one's doing. He says, when you fast, like don't let people know you're fasting, you know, oil on your head and wash your face so nobody even knows you're doing it. And of course, the point is not to hide everything or to, to literally do everything in secret, but that the focus, the motivation behind those disciplines needs to something we need to stay conscious of and frankly something we need to be wary of because the distance from giving or serving or praying out of devotion to God and giving or serving and praying in order to attain recognition or status or power is it's not very far. <laughs> It's, it's not as far as we might like, and sin is more than happy to help us straddle that gap or flat-out traverse it. Rationalizations are often thrown in at no extra charge. It's really easy to shift. Fasting feels like a particularly good example for us as I try and think about this a little bit, especially because Jesus talks about it at length here, but it's not really something that we practice a lot of today, um, and, and really most folks, if they do it, it's during the season of Lent. And, and, and although I do, actually, I do know at least one person who is fasting for prolonged periods during the season, I know most of us who are fasting, myself included, is fasting from uh, one thing in particular, like chocolate. Show of hands? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, no. But chocolate or, or coffee or TV or Facebook, you know, like we find something that we enjoy doing and we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this out. I'm, I'm going to fast from this. And, and, and I, like you, I, I, I chuckle at that because it seems, you know, well, giving up chocolate. For some of us, that's not hard. For some of us, that's really hard. And these are significant things. It can be difficult to do. It can be difficult to, to find ways to fill the time or to, to just not eat or drink or do something that you are so used to doing. But the thing is, is that when we give them over to God as a fast, it can become a truly holy abstaining. It can also become something that sin can get a hold of, that, that, that can use. It, the, the shift, I want to suggest, it happens when that act of fasting, for example, instead of it being something that helps us grow closer to God, it becomes a badge of honor. Or, or instead of it being sacrificed as, a, as an act of devotion to God, we, we just, we're doing it, we really, it'd be really good if I could just let other people know how holy I am because of how much I miss chocolate, right? Can you believe I gave up chocolate, right? Or when you spend all day tweeting about your 40-day Facebook fast, right? I think you're missing, you know, maybe we're missing the point here. And the deal is, I know this is a little bit ridiculous, but I also know that I'm not the only one who feels a little twinge of recognition here, of the fact that when we find ourselves in those moments, it, it, it can be nice to share those, and, and how quickly and easily sharing them becomes not so much of an invitation or a welcome, but, but instead we, we want people to just know about how deeply reverent and pious we are. We, we, we don't want to invite them into maybe their own acts of spiritual discipline, but we want to promote ours. And I think this is precisely why the warning, this recognition 
that even the best of practices that we can engage in, even as we enter into them faithfully, that it is never far from a sinful manipulation. You may very well have, and I know many of you do, have a deep and genuine love for God and for God's people. You are not, however, immune from the desire for self-aggrandizement. I know, again, many of you and, and, and have a passion for justice, but that doesn't make you any less capable of selfishness, selfishness and neglect. You might be very well committed deeply to service, and again, I know many of you are, and you still will at times find yourself struggling with, with guilt or, or martyrdom. Jesus didn't just speak these words for the people gathered on, at the mountainside that day. They are, they are for us as well. And, and specifically when I say us, I mean like people of faith. Because just like everybody in the world, we're going to wrestle with temptations and things are going to hit us and, and be hard to get over. But we also have that added to our list, the potential temptation of using our piety in sinful ways. Or again, to put it another way, the temptation that comes with being people of faith is the substitution. The substitution of the journey for the destination, the means for the end. We can find ourselves settling for religion instead of seeking God. Can you guys hear that? Can you hear the, the, the band coming down the, the, the lane there? The, here comes that person, and they're going to give their gifts to God. They always travel with the marching band so they can announce that they're coming and what they're doing and what they're going to give. It's a lot like, in fact, those people who are praying on the corner. I mean, they were so loud, uh, I, but finally I got used to the volume, and, and I, 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 I just hear them. And, and hear them and hear them. They, did, they just went on and on and, and on. And on. to be honest, I'm not even really sure what they were praying for, but it sure sounded pretty. Oh, and look, and look, that's the, those are the people who gave up chocolate for Lent. You, you can tell they gave it up because, you know, they, they've got their gaunt faces and their crazy sugar-starved eyes. And, oh, and one of them's wearing a T-shirt that says, I gave up chocolate for Lent. Okay, good, yeah. All right, nobody's laughing, so this makes my next point very clear. <laughs> Jesus was definitely funnier than I am. Oh, that you laugh at. Thank you so much. But he was. And, and I say that in part because I think we need to see the parody, the satire of this whole thing. The, the stark differences between literally walking down the street with a marching band so that you can announce your giving and that the, only, like the other end of the spectrum, which is your one hand doesn't even know that the other hand is doing it. The, the secrecy. And again, the, the, the message is not that all of this must be done in secret, but what is your intention? And I think as Jesus pro, uh, professes, challenges us to, and charges us with these faithful, secretive practices, in contrast to the loud and self-serving versions, it, it's not only to highlight the reality of that temptation, but frankly to get us laughing at how ridiculous it is when we turn a devotion to God into something that is self-serving. We got to be laughing at ourselves a little bit. We, the people who are in need of grace, the mortal sinful, are also the beloved children of God, and yet we find ourselves willing to ex accept so much less, to settle for so much less. 
The almsgiver with the marching band, prayers, trading substance for eloquence, the guy with the t-shirt that says, I'm fasting from chocolate. Jesus says, that's their reward. They got it. That, they got it. They're being recognized for their religious behaviors, and that recognition is where their reward ends. Instead, my friends, we have the choice. We can strive for something infinitely greater. Jesus invites us in this passage to store up instead heavenly treasures. Which, again, to be clear, it's not piles of rewards of the same type or, or, or of recognition that only become available to us after we die, but the treasure of heaven, the treasure of growing closer to God, the treasure of being people of faith who are living according to God's will, the treasure of learning and living God's call on our lives and living abundantly, faithfully, empowered and sustained and set free by God's love. And so I pray for myself, for each of us, and especially in this season of Lent, that we would put our trust in God, we would put our hope in God, that we would seek our treasures from God, and that we would live into the gifts of the devotions and disciplines that God has given us so that we might draw closer to God. Amen.